finish this phrase with me. I'll believe it when I Your eyes will lie to you. Can I show you how? What's the screen? I want you to do me a favor. This picture is going to pop up on the screen. I want you to count the black dots. Count the black dots. Are they moving around on you? Anybody got a number yet? Somebody take a guess. <laughs> she said all of them. They're none. They're none. Your eyes, your eyes will lie to you. Look at this next picture. Which direction do you see him looking? Is he staring towards you or away from you? Yeah. See, your eyes will, your eyes will lie to you. See, there's this, there's this photographic technique called forced perspective. In other words, the camera can cause you to see what the camera wants you to see. Look at this next picture. Now, if you know that she's really not holding up the leaning tower, right? you know, you know that with your logic, but your eyes are lying to you, aren't they? Look at this next one. Now, I'm sure some of you ladies would like to carry your husband around in a hat. But that's, your, eyes are, your eyes are lying to you, aren't they? And this happens to be my favorite one, this next one. He's handing her the sunrise. Oh, isn't that just sickening? I want to talk to you about perspective. In fact, I want to talk to you about a divine perspective. We talked a couple weeks ago about a divine partnership that Christ has called us into. Last week we talked about a divine mystery that we can walk and live in the beauty of the gospel every day of our life. Today we talk about a divine perspective. Uh, in your bulletins, here's, here's a phrase. My, my perspective is formed according to the lens through which I view the world. And the truth is we all look at the world through different lenses from time to time. Um, I want to make sure that we as followers of Christ look through the right lens. Because I'm afraid that sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't view the world through the right lens. Let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Paul said, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know enough to teach Him? <laughs> but we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And before we go any further, I just want you to understand that that's only available through the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us. We can only have His mind when He lives in our hearts. And, oh, that's available to us as followers of Christ. The mind of Christ is available through the power of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes our eyes start to lie. So we're going to look at three lenses today and see which lens you and I need to, need to focus our attention and which lens you and I need to view the world through. The first lens we're going to talk about is the me lens. Anybody guilty of looking at the world sometimes through the me lens? Yeah, I'm, I want what's best for me. I want to... Anybody ever said this phrase? I know I have. I need a little me time. Come on. Now. And now, is there anything wrong with a little me time? Of course not. 
But what happens when we start looking at the world constantly through the me lens? We become very narcissistic and inward focused, don't we? And how many know that's not, that's not how we can live? Second lens we're going to talk about today is the cultural lens. <laughs> See, the me lens asks, what do I want? The, the cultural lens asks, which way does the culture lean? And, and we look through that lens too. Okay, can I prove it to you? Where's, where's Travis? Where, where'd Travis go? Okay, now how many know that just a few years ago, if Travis would have walked up on the stage in a church with a hat on, they'd run him out on a rail, wouldn't they? <laughs> right? I, I love you, man. Don't, don't, don't. You, I scared him to death. <laughs> Listen, my grandmother taught every Sunday school class at the Pelzer Church of God. And if today she saw her grandson standing on a stage preaching a sermon in blue jeans with his shirt untucked, she'd lose her mind. <laughs> we do listen to the way culture leans from time to time, right? Is that always bad? No, it's not. Or we'd all be, have magenta choir robes on today. And it, it, so I'm not saying that cultural trends aren't important and that it's not okay to glance in that direction. But if we look to culture, if, if that's the lens we look at the world, then guess what? Every decision we'll make will have a cultural lean. And, and, and that's going to get us in trouble, y'all. So there's me lens, there's the cultural lens, but the lens I'd like to talk to you about today is the biblical lens. What happens when you and I look at the world through the lens of Scripture? See, the me lens says, what do I want? The cultural lens says, which way does the culture lean? The biblical lens says, what does the Bible say? Yeah. Donna told you we've been talking about, uh, on, on Wednesday nights, we've had this class that we've been going through called cultural christianity it's really based on a book called the unsaved christian and it's convicting but i believe it's also timely because the truth of the matter is even inside the even inside of church culture we don't have the same biblical lens that we might have had a generation or so ago and so i want to talk to us today about what does it look like when you and I look at life, look at the world, look at our families, look at our finances, look at our experience on this planet through the lens of Scripture? See, oftentimes there's opposition between those three lenses, aren't there? So here's, here's the question we have to ask. And we have to ask it honestly because we, we could all give the Sunday school answer today. Oh, yes, I always look through the lens of Scripture. Do we? Do we? See, we have to understand when there's opposition, which lens has the higher authority? And that's what we're going to unpack today. So if you've got your Bibles or something with your Bible on it, we're going to be, and now listen, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to scare you like we're going to be here till 2 o'clock this afternoon. We're going to be, we're going to be moving through 1 Corinthians 4 to 6. And so here's my challenge for you. I, obviously, I can't, I can't go all the way through three chapters in you know, the small amount of time that I have with you this morning. Man, read that this week. And if in your YouVersion app on your phone or on your iPad or whatever device that you have, if, if you've established LifePoint as your church on YouVersion, you saw a, a, a reading plan pop up last week. Uh, 
we go through, it's got a devotion and a reading in 1 Corinthians every day. I'd love you to join me there. All right. So, we have to remember, listen, my perspective is formed according to the lens through which I view the world. I'll, I'll go as far as to say, your life, the, your life's direction will follow the lens that you stare through. You steer where you stare. What you focus your mind on is the, the direction you will travel. You with me? So what I'm going to give you are not, they're not every perspective that we'll find in Scripture, but there's, there's a handful that Paul gives us in those three chapters that I want us to unpack for a little bit today. So when I look at the world through the lens of Scripture, I'll have, first of all, a faithfulness perspective. A faithfulness perspective. Would you agree with me if I were to say to you that faithfulness in our culture and faithfulness in Scripture look slightly different? I would. See, Paul is busting the Corinthians chops. He's good at that. He, he does a good bit of that in this book. He's busting their chops, and rightfully so in many places. He's, he's fussing at them because they're, they're spending an awful lot of time and energy uh, saying, well, I follow this pastor, and I follow this, this, this apostle, and I follow you, and I follow you. And he's like, you guys need to stop it. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the first two verses. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Verse 2, now a person who is put in charge as a manager, must be faithful. And just as Paul was put in charge of delivering the gospel message, you and I have a task and a purpose and a mission for, from Christ that we need to be faithful in. And faithfulness looks different through the lens of Scripture than it looks in our culture. See, Christ has called me to be a manager, a steward of my time, of my talent, of my treasure, of my influence, of my calling, and he has done the same to you. All of you have been blessed with time and talent and treasure and influence and calling. And my question is, are we stewarding that? Are we managing those gifts from a biblical perspective, or are we doing it through the me lens? See, the me lens says, I'm going to look out for me and my interest. I ultimately only need to be faithful to me. If we look at faithfulness through the cultural lens, it says it doesn't matter as long as the culture finds it acceptable. And you and I are called to a different lens. A biblical lens says, I follow a faithful God faithfully. But when I'm unfaithful, His faithfulness restores me. I have an advocate with the Father in Christ Jesus. How many understand that even in my faithlessness, God proves Himself faithful and faithful and always and forever faithful? So because of that, because I look through the lens of Scripture at the faithfulness of God and His goodness to me, I now want to be faithful, not to me. I don't want to be faithful to our culture. I want to be faithful to Him. I want to be faithful to what Christ has called me to do 
and to live the life that he's called me to live. Faithfulness through the lens of Scripture is defined a little differently. <laughs> when I look at the world through a biblical lens, I'll have the perspective, I'll have a, a humble perspective. <laughs> he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, now, Paul could be sarcastic at times. All right, so in your house, who's the sarcastic one? Hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Y'all stop. Paul's a little sarcastic. See, and I'm going to read to you verse 7, but in verse 6, he talks to the Corinthian church. He says, you guys are puffed up. You think too much of yourself. Verse 7, read it along with me. For who sees anything different in you? In other words, who do you think you are? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? In other words, all those spiritual gifts I was bragging on you a few chapters ago, all those spiritual gifts, God gave them to you. Who do you think you are? Without God, you, everything you have, God gave you. It's your breath in our lungs. And that ought to make us humble. <laughs> See, a lack of humility, listen, is a byproduct of looking through life with a me lens. See, if you look through that lens too long, now, now let, me, let me back up a little bit. I believe with everything in me that you need to have a healthy self-image, self Right? I don't, need to, I don't believe you need, and I've talked to you about this before, you don't need to stand in the mirror and talk about how sorry you are and how much, you missed, how much you've messed up and how, how bad you've been. But I also don't think you need to look in the mirror and go, I am God's gift to this planet. I, I'm not even sure how they got along before I stepped on the scene. I don't need to look at my wife and go, do you thank God every day for the husband that you have? <laughs> she does, by the way. <laughs> she does. Do you understand? When we start looking at life through a me lens, then we get, as Paul told the Corinthian church, we get a little puffed up. We think we're all that, and we're not. Listen, if there's anything good in me, If there's anything good in me, it's not because I'm good. It's because my Savior, my Jesus, is so very good. And, and, and we'll see that if we keep our eyes on a, a biblical, through, through a biblical lens. See, if we, if we look at, at our, ourselves through a cultural lens, we'll go one of two directions. We'll, we'll see, you know... A, an image that we can't live up to. Somebody was talking about uh, Tim Tebow this morning. And uh, I'm a fan. I got his book. But uh, here's what I thought. You know, Tim Tebow, with all the money he made in the NFL and all the money made in ESPN, don't you think he could buy a shirt that fits? I'm just asking. <laughs> don't you think? You know, we got to be careful of how much we think of ourselves. And see, the culture leans us in that direction. And, and I think what you'll find in Scripture is a healthy view of yourself. You'll see 
for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And you'll also see, and he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so we might become the righteousness of God in here. See, I believe uh, looking at life, looking at the world through the lens of Scripture, it'll make us not just humble but healthy. Humility. It's not a very popular thing anymore, is it? You know, it, for some reason our culture teaches us that we've got to toot our own horn and that we've got to, uh, you know, we have to, uh, you know, be in the limelight and we have to be on stage and we have to have the most followers and the most likes, the most views. Come on. Is that, is that really what we've become? We now define ourselves by how many followers we have on Instagram? I got like eight. No. No, no, no. You know what defines me? My father defines me. I'm def I am who he says I am. And as long as I keep that perspective, that I am who he says I am, and how do I know who he says I am? Through the lens of Scripture. I'll understand that I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. I'll understand that He sent His only begotten Son into this world so I could know Him in eternal life. And that makes me humble. So when I look through the lens of Scripture, I see the world with a faithfulness perspective, with a humble perspective, and in a unity perspective. Mikey talked about this in week one, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I do want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world, and since you're going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? So what, what Paul is talking about is the inability of the Christians in Corinth to settle petty disputes among themselves and even taking each other to court and he's like stop it just stop it he's like one day uh what in eternity you're gonna you're gonna be a ruler and you can't even you know decide whose chicken that is you know silly stuff you know you know what i've learned now you know i'm not i'm not the oldest person in the room and i'm not the youngest person in the room but i have been called on from time to time to settle petty little disputes. And here's what I've learned is that most disputes happen when somebody demands their own way. That's looking at life through a me lens, isn't it? I want what I want and I want it. The fact that you knew that <laughs> speaks to our culture, doesn't it? See, a biblical perspective of unity in the church and in your friend relationships and on your job and in your home. A biblical perspective of unity involves surrendering my rights and privileges and placing the needs of others above my own, and that is certainly not cultural. In fact, the opposite is true. See, what the, what the culture demands and our calls us and asks us to do is demand our rights 
and place our needs above everyone else. And I'm going to tell you that the biblical perspective is exactly the opposite. What if Jesus would have demanded his rights? Aren't you glad he didn't? Aren't you glad that Jesus... Re- Listen, if whenever you feel like you, you're owed something or you feel like you need to demand your rights, read Philippians chapter 2, and you'll understand that Christ stepped out of heaven and, and, and laid down his rights and picked up a cross. And he's called you and I to do the exact same thing. To lay down our rights, take up our cross, and follow him. (laughs) You'll never get there with the me lens. And you'll certainly never get there with the cultural lens. That truth is valid in in church, in friendships, in our marriage. (laughs) Looking at your marriage through the me lens is a recipe for disaster. And oh, by the way, if you look at your marriage through the cultural lens, we, we can't even define it culturally, right? I don't have time to, to talk about that. Listen, maybe you can redefine marriage, but you can't redefine holy matrimony. Unity perspective, a humble perspective, friend, a faithfulness perspective. Now let's talk about a freedom perspective. Anybody, anybody glad to be free? Yeah. Thank you, one of you. <laughs> anybody glad to be free? Yeah. Amen. I'm going to say that freedom through the me lens and freedom through the cultural lens and freedom through a biblical lens are very, 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 very different. And the Corinthian church got it really confused. Here comes the PG-13 part, by the way. See, listen, you can't do a study on the book of 1 Corinthians and not deal with the issue of sexual ethics because it's all through it. So here's the passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul said, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Now, now let, me, let me give you a little background. How many have heard that, that text before, that passage before? Let me, give, let me give you a little background. First, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, if you were here, uh, the... Paul said to the Corinthian church, I'd really like to talk to you like you were mature, but you're really children. You remember that? Anybody remember that? Okay, let me ask you a question. What would a child do with that phrase, you're allowed to do anything? Yep, and here's what would happen. Your house would be knocked off its foundation when you got home, wouldn't it? I cannot imagine looking at a 10-year-old Mikey and an 8-year-old Matthew Leib and said, oh, while we're gone, y'all can do anything. Would not have ended well. 
Mikey would have been outside shooting things. Matt would have cleaned out the refrigerator. <laughs> Not wrong. So the Corinthians took this idea that I'm allowed to do anything and applied it to areas that Paul or that God never intended. They used their freedom as a license to sin. See, Paul used that freedom, uh, that, that phrase, I'm allowed to do anything, in many different places. Uh, you can find it in Colossians chapter 2. And, and in most of those times, he was saying, he was, he, he was pushing against religious uh, practices about how you handle food. In other words, you know, there were, especially in Jewish culture, they were like, well, you can eat this, but you can't eat that. You can eat this, but you can't eat that. And, and Paul was like, you know, it, it, it's really not about that. I'm allowed to do anything. And so you have to understand, the Corinthian church weren't Jewish at all. And so they hear the phrase, I'm allowed to do anything, and didn't take it as a religious, you know, dietary, you know, command or, or, or prohibition. What they said was, Paul said, I'm allowed to do anything. So guess what? I'm allowed to do anything. And you know what they did? They did anything that the Corinthian church took it to literally mean anything. And they took it to an entirely different level. In fact, they thought of it this way. My body wants to, my body's hungry, so I'm going to eat. My body wants to have sex. I'm going to hire a prostitute. And that's exactly what they were doing. Because all right, when we're talking about culture, right? In in the Corinthian culture, in the Greek culture of that day, guess what? If hiring a prostitute was like going to the market and buying a dozen eggs, it was that frequent. And even some of the pagan religions used prostitution as part of their religious practice. So the Corinthian church saw what the culture was doing and said, that's the lens we're looking through. And so because they're doing it, we're doing it, and I'm allowed to do anything. Woo! And Paul said, are you serious? Here's what he said. Verse 9 of that same passage says, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So the Corinthians interpreted their life through a cultural lens and thought, it's okay. And Paul said, no, it's not. It's not. See, a me lens says, I can do anything I want to. A cultural lens says, you can do anything you want to. A biblical lens says, if you want real freedom, do things God's way. And he'll change your want to. Did, did you hear that? He'll change your want to. When you do things God's way, he'll change your want to. 
One of my favorite passages of Scripture is, is Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And, and I've told you this before, but for years I thought that meant that if I do things, you know, if, if I show up and I go to church and I pay my tithes and I do things the right way, I can live where I want and I can drive what I want and I can dress how I want, I can do that God's going to give me the desires of my heart because I desire a, a brand new, shiny whatever. That's not what it means. It means when I make Christ my focus, when I make Him the hub of my wheel, then my heart starts desiring what He wants and not what I want. He changes my want to. Y'all, and, and here's where we've become in, in our culture is this idea I'm going to do what I want to do and God's going to have to be okay with it. I'm going to live how I want to live and God's going to have to be okay with it. Now listen, you guys know me. I'm not a legalistic... I'm not, I'm not that. But I do believe that God, God wants to work out all things together for my good. I do believe that God wants... His best for me. And, and because He wants His best for me, He's given me some guardrails. Right? It, right? He's given me some guardrails. And staying inside those guardrails, which I find through which lens? We're looking at, we're, we're setting our standards through the wrong lens. We're setting our standards by what I want to do or what the culture thinks is right. And that's the wrong lens. My heart breaks when I... I talked to you a, a couple weeks ago about uh, this hashtag that I stumbled across about a year ago. And it's called Church Hurt. And, and listen, my, my, heart, my heart breaks. And, and listen, some of you have been legitimately hurt in the context of, of a, a church structure. And I, and I get that, and, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. But sometimes church hurt looks like accountability. And because Scripture holds people accountable, sometimes that stings. Well, conviction's never supposed to feel good. And, and so I guess what I'm, trying to, what I'm trying to implore of all of us is that if I want to live free, freedom from, for in, in God's view isn't just doing whatever I want to do. Freedom in God's view is not the culture saying, you do whatever you want to do. Freedom in God's view is falling madly in love with Jesus and understanding who He is and what He's done for us and living the rest of my life following Him as closely as I can. I, I want 
I, I want to I follow him so closely that I'm hidden in his shadow. And part of that is, is staying in the lanes of the guardrails that his word has set up for me. Now listen, everybody in this room is going to go outside those guardrails from time to time. And, and I get it, but where we get in trouble, y'all, and this is exactly where our culture is, is when we go outside of our guardrails, stay there and say, God, you've got to be okay with it because this is where I'm living. And it's so true. Especially, it's true in, in, in many different facets, but, but just look where, where our, our culture has gone from a, a sexually ethic perspective and morality perspective. And we're, we're in trouble. And what if? What if God was calling a group of people to look through the, the lens of Scripture and to set a different standard? Now listen, no, 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 let, me, let me stop because y'all, I'm, I'm an evangelist at the heart. I, I, want, I, want, I want everybody I know to follow Jesus and, and come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Now, now what that does not give us the liberty to do is, is to stand on a street corner with a megaphone. I'm trying to think of a word. That's not the word I'm thinking of. And being a jerk. I'm not, that doesn't give us the liberty to stand, to, to point at other people's sin. And, and Paul's not talking to sinners in this book. He's talking to the church. So what he's telling you and me is we've got to do things a different way. We've got to look different than the culture, not so we can have some pious attitude toward folks who've been unredeemed, but so we can say, listen, Christ has a great way. His way works. It always has and it always will. Listen. We can't be children with a license. I'll do it however I want to do it. I'll do what I want to do. I want to be free. And I want you to be free. All right, let's go on. Delight yourself in the Lord. Can we, just, can we move on to the next thing by just saying, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your want. Listen, you'll be able to do anything you want to. You'll be able to do anything you want to because he's going to change your want to. That's good news, y'all. It's called abundant life. It's called free living. Man, anybody free in the room? Anybody free in the room? Don't you want that for, for friends that don't know Jesus? Don't you want that for, for the folks that you, you hang out with at work or at the gym or at school? Don't you want that? Well, well Paul's giving us this. You've got to look through the right lens. I've got to look through the right lens. <laughs> and then lastly, if you look through the lens of, of, of Scripture, you'll have an indebted perspective. Mm -hmm. 
Paul said at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You know, let me stop. This is at the end of that whole passage where he's busting their chops about their sexual behavior. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Here we go. For God bought you with a high price. What was it, by the way? God bought you with a high price, the life of his only son. So the next time you feel worthless, the next time you don't feel worthy, Think about what God paid for you. How much must you be worth for God to send His only Son to purchase your freedom? How much must you be worth? So the next time the devil, the enemy, culture tells you you're not worth, you're not worthy, you just remember what I just read to you. God bought you with a high price. I was about 19 when I, and I don't know what triggered this in my mind, but I, I, I had this, call it a thought, call it inspiration, call it revelation, call it whatever you want to. I, I'd just been a Christian a little while. And I was reading a passage just like that. And here's what I heard the Holy Spirit say. Dwayne, if you'd have been the only one that needed me to pay that price. Man, I'm so thankful that Jesus died for the world. But if you'd have been the only one that needed redemption, that needed freedom, that needed deliverance, he would have came to this earth and lived 33 years. He'd have shed his blood for you. And three days later, he'd have risen from the dead. And today, he'd, he'd be doing exactly what he's doing now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me, exactly what he's doing now. So I'm indebted. I owe him my life. I owe him everything. My rights? I don't own it. I don't own rights anymore. He bought them. There he is. My privileges? My privilege is to stand in the, in the presence of an almighty God with my sins washed away. That's my privilege. My privilege is an abundant life here on earth and eternal life with my Savior forever and forever. That's my privilege. Yeah. That's what I'll cling to. Yeah. There's an old hymn. It says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe.
see an indebted perspective helps me see that the pathway to abundant life is living with an understanding that I owe him everything. 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 Bow your heads with me. Here, here's what I need you guys to understand. Um, and and I, I hope you'll appreciate this. Before I, I come in here and I share these thoughts with you, I have to run them through the filter of my own life. And I'm going to tell you there's times when I look at things through the wrong lens. Sometimes I look at things through the me lens. And I want to <laughs> I want to have my own way because some part of me thinks I deserve it my way. And sometimes I look at things through a cultural lens. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want to look at my life through the lens of Scripture. I, I want to look at my, how I handle my money, how I handle my career, how I treat my family, how, how I live my life through the lens of Scripture. And I believe that only then am I going to have this divine perspective that I'm telling you about. Say, I believe you can live this life how do I want to say this? Where you, you see things, you see life, you see your family, you see your circumstance through a different set of eyes. I, I think you'll, when you, when you look at life through a biblical perspective, you'll start, now, now don't get any crazy theological ideas of what I'm getting ready to say, but I, I believe that God lends you His wisdom and you'll be able to look at life through His eyes. We just read at the very beginning of this sermon that we have the mind of Christ. So I believe that as we look at life through the lens of Scripture, you'll be able to see lost humanity through the eyes of God. You'll be able to see your own life, your church, your work through the eyes of your Heavenly Father. And only then will we have the divine perspective that I'm trying to I want us to... I want to look at life with a biblical worldview. And I can't do that if I'm looking through the wrong lens. So I want to pray for you today. If you just say, Dwayne, there, there are times when I look at life through the wrong lens. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that we look at life through the lens of Scripture. We have the mind of Christ in the eyes of our Father. And if you would like me to include you in this prayer, I just want you to slip your hand up, put it right up and right back down. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Father, in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. God, we recognize that when we look through the me lens, God, we get selfish and narcissistic and we want things our own way. God, crucify that in us this morning.
Help me remember. Help us remember that my way is not always the right way. Help me to surrender my rights and privileges and put the needs of others above myself. And God, sometimes we look at things through a cultural lens that the, 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 the culture leans us one direction and, and, and it's so easy to get caught up in following uh, culture, especially in this where we live. But God, help us to remember that sometimes you're calling those that follow you to swim upstream, to move against the grain. And God, I pray that you give us strength and wisdom, power to do that through the authority and strength of your Holy Spirit. And God, today, our, our, our heart's cry is that you teach us through the authority of your word how to look at life like you would look at it, how to look at this world like you would look at it, how to look at those that we sit by in church and, and those we go to lunch with through the week, our, our friends, our family, strangers on the street, how to see the world through the eyes of God. Give us your love, your compassion. God, we open ourselves up to discipline because we want to see the world through your eyes. We want to look at life through the lens of Scripture. And God, I just can't help but feel someone walked in this building today. culture and people have caused them to question their worth. But today, God, remind them what a high price you paid for them. Remind them today the enormous price the life of your son, Jesus. So God, if there's one here in this room that doesn't know you, I pray that today they will make a decision to follow you with the rest of their life. They will make a choice to receive Christ as Lord and Savior and follow Him. We believe, but belief requires action. We follow you. In Jesus' name. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. And I want us to leave this, this service with a heart of worship. I, I want you to worship God for the breath in your lungs and for the life that he's given you. S declare his name. Great are you, Lord, and great to be praised. I want you to lift your voice as we sing. Come on. It's your breath, it's your breath in our, our lungs. lungs. Come on, lift your voice. So we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you all.
to be praised. That passage means God's great and he deserves a great praise. Can we end this service with a great praise to our Heavenly Father? We love you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Yes. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Thank you so much for being here. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome afternoon. Hey, try to come Wednesday. It's going to be a great night.